Hey guys, it's Renee. I'm just here with a friendly spoiler warning for you. In segment two, Anna talks about the three-body problem and the dark forest. And in her discussion, she shares a lot of spoilers. So if you haven't read those books yet, you may want to, as soon as she starts talking about that, to skip ahead about six minutes so you don't get spoiled in case you are planning to read them in the future. Also in her rec section, she shares a plot detail from Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. So if you don't want to be spoiled for that small, I think, character relationship detail, you might want to fast forward through her rec as well. I do promise that one day I will train her on how to handle spoilers. I love you, Anna. Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour. Today we're here to discuss The Last Unicorn, a 1982 animated film based on the book of the same title by Peter S. Beagle. We're also going to discuss our favorites from the last quarter, and then we're going to talk about Back to the Future, a 1985 science fiction film starring Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd that everybody knows about, but I had not seen in its entirety. That has been now rectified. I'm here, as always, with my fellow fangirl, Anna. Hey, Anna. Star Wars! By the time this podcast comes out, that's going to be done. Yes. Oh, my God. Hi, Renee. This, I, I am, I cannot stop thinking about Star Wars. So today's Wednesday. We are recording this at night. Tomorrow is Thursday when the movie comes out. We will both watch it then, right? You have tickets for tomorrow. Yes. Okay. Seven, seven o'clock. Yeah. Yes, mine is at seven thirty as well. But I am in the future, so I will watch it first. But you know, like I said to you, I couldn't help myself, and I am completely <laughs> spoiled for the movie. <laughs> I know everything that happens. Uh, I don't even care. I was like, I was sick with worry this morning. It's like, do you know what? I am just going to go and search. Twitter has been so surprising to me through this whole thing. Because I couldn't find any spoilers on Twitter. I know that people have been saying like, oh, I'm just going to mute this. I'm going to mute that and block spoilers. But there aren't any to be had on Twitter. Uh, I searched everywhere until I found a sub thread on Reddit. And then there was a Brazilian newspaper who posted a scene-by-scene breakdown. So it's basically like I've watched it already. I'm not going to say anything. All this time, and you <laughs> you don't even make it to the day of the movie. No, of course not. I, I knew that I wouldn't. We are, like, diametrically opposed. Like, you did this thing that it makes me crawl with anxiety. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here using the Chrome extension that somebody made to block Star Wars spoilers specifically. <laughs> and I have, like, every iteration of Star Wars t- blocked via tags on Tumblr. That's amazing. I'm no. like, I don't want to know anything. Like, I'll be watching TV in the Star Wars little promotions will come on during commercials and I'll be like, nope, fast forward. I don't want to see that. I have, I, I have not, I've only seen the two things that, the two, like the first thing we talked about, the teaser, 
in yeah. the trailer we talked about. Yeah. That's it. Okay. I'm, wow. I'm going I, I... to this movie super blind. I've seen I've seen a lot of like interviews and in discussions with the stars, like John Boyega is so adorable. Oh, I love him. I love him so I cannot wait to see this movie. BBA um, did the premiere? Um, yeah, I know. I saw it. I'm really excited. So Let's be cute. real here. I'm in this for the robots. <laughs> I'm in this for the robots. I'm going to see this movie on the day it comes out, so I don't have to be spoiled about what happens to the robots. The robots. <laughs> Amazing. And they better have my favorite gay robot couple. I mean, well, you know, like I said to you, I think BB-8's their child, so. <laughs> you know, you never know. Could be. Star Wars, maybe, but not. But when this comes out, everybody will have already seen it, and they'll be like, "Oh, they don't even know what they're getting into." So. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time everybody listens to this, it's fine. You can come and talk to us about it because we'll have seen it. Yes. Please come talk to us about it because we want to know all how you feel, all your feelings. Yes. May the force be with us all. But anyway, so we are here today. And do we have anything to talk about in this intro, apart from Star Wars-related stuff? Star Wars feelings. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Actually, I, I had a Christmas party yesterday in the office, and there was a Secret Santa, and my Secret Santa present was a Star Wars mug. They got was... very well. I or, got... I, or I talk a lot about Star Wars. <laughs> that, that's also true. I got a birthday gift early from Susan. Oh, was yeah. it Star Wars related? No, it was not Star Wars related. <laughs> she got me two different manga. One of them is called Flutter, and another is called Skip Beat. Okay. And I'm going... She's she's begun her her formal campaign to get me to read Skip Beat. I guess I'm, I guess I'm going in. And you published a story. Yes, we published a story yesterday, Tuesday 15th. It was... Um, it's called Long and Silent Ever After by Carly St. George. It's the third and final Spindle City Mystery, which is um, a serialized collection of three shorts, three novelettes, technically. They are fairy tale noir slash mysteries. And it's the end of it now. And we had a blast doing those. It was our first serialized thing that we did both in terms of getting three stories in one go, but also we we divided them into episodes and people could get them in directly into their inboxes. And that went really well. Um, so I was very pleased. And I love those stories. And the e-books, if you buy the e-books, you know, pause for a commercial right here. <laughs> if, you give, if, you, if you pay for these stores, money goes directly into Anna's pocket. Disclaimer. Yes, thank you. Disclaimer. Uh, so if you get the ebook, you get like extra short stories that she wrote specifically for the ebooks, and they are not published on the blog. And they are from Jack's perspective. And Jack is the sidekick. She is uh, the girl Friday of, of the series. And she's really cool. She's like 15 years old and she's really smart. So those two stories are from her perspective. I didn't and do anything. You didn't do anything? I didn't do it. I mean, I wrote a book column, but that's normal. Sort of normal. I've been off for a little while. But I wrote a book column, and I had a lot of feelings about the October Day series, which uh, you need to read. October Day series, Anna. You should read it. But you, the latest book you didn't like, I, I read your reviews. I, I, read did your not, I did not not like it. I just didn't like the plot. Let's be clear here. <laughs> I did not like it. I just found the, pl- the main plot kind of boring and wanted... 
just to spend time in the you know the B plot where she's making friends and and making out with Tibble and bleeding over things. <laughs> I love that series. It's really good. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, well, I read the first four or five books, as you know, and I stopped reading them because I was so scared for my OTP. Your OTP uh, is fine. I will let you know if the OTP doesn't become fine. Okay. I will pre-read these books for you, so you should go read them. Okay. All right. So I guess that wraps up the intro. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to have any more Star Wars films before we continue? I am. I am. Maybe. No, I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure. All right. So let's move on. The Last Unicorn is a 1982 animated film based on the book of the same title by Peter S. Beagle. He also wrote the screenplay for the film. It's about a lonely unicorn wondering whether there are others like herself, and then she sets off on a quest to discover if there are any unicorns left in the water world. I grew up with this movie. It was a movie that I watched over and over and over as a child, which, looking back on it as an adult, was a little... Well, okay. Good good choice, parents. Good 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 parenting. Anna, what did you think of this movie? <sighs> right. Your science uh, is so <laughs> telling right now. No, I'm just gathering my thoughts. So I had not watched this movie until now. I didn't even know about it until a couple of years ago. So I guess Brazil was not much into unicorns because I don't remember this being on television at all. Or It wasn't on television for me. I rented it. That's how I found it. I rented uh, it. I don't remember. Well, I used to go to the video store and just like get every single movie there. So and I, I guess in Brazil never... it just wasn't a thing. I don't think it was a thing. They don't like unicorns there. I also don't think that The Last Unicorn, the book, was ever translated into Portuguese because I don't remember seeing that either. I've only read half of the book. I've never read the whole book. I actually read the book a few years ago and I did, like, not an actual review. I did more like one of those smugglers ponderings posts that sometimes we do, which is when I don't feel like I can write a review because I am too conflicted about this book i just want to ask questions rather than have an opinion wow i I missed that well yes i didn't remember until i was watching the movie (laughs) so i guess neither the movie or the book actually made a lasting impression although i did rate it an eight which is quite high that is really high for you but the last the, the impression that i have now years after reading that is that i didn't think i had liked it that much then i went back and I reread the review and it seemed that I liked it more back then, apart from the ending of the novel. And watching the movie now, the movie's remarkably close to the plot. Yeah, that's because the author read, wrote the screenplay. Yeah. But I from from my memory I I felt the book was a little bit funnier, although also very deep and moving and serious in a way but i didn't get like for example i remember smendrick being really funny in the book and he wasn't in the movie was he no i the don't movie... find him very funny i find him really sad yes i the found movie's... this whole movie sad this whole movie so sad why were you watching this as a child it was in the cartoon section because i mean back Seriously, in the 80s, in r- rural Arkansas, if adults see 
a unicorn on the cover of something and it's a cartoon, they're going to be like, oh, that's for kids. When maybe it's not for the kids for like the age I was at the time. Yeah, it's not. It's not kids' movie. It's like putting like it's like putting super explicit anime in the kids section because it looks like a cartoon. You know, it's that kind of misunderstanding. Right, that's exactly what happened. Because I really feel like this is a cartoon for kids who are a little bit older than I was. Yeah, not because I don't like not because I think we should like age rate everything. It's just like I just didn't understand some of the stuff that was happening that I might have understood if I had been a little bit older. Yeah. My post had 40 comments, and it's still ongoing. There was, like, a, a comment left, and I posted this, like, three or four years ago, and there was a there were a couple of comments from 2015. So people are still going back there, leaving comments. Anyway, so a lot of people just loved the book, and they most of them mentioned the movie as well, and how they grew up watching the movie and loving it very much. And I don't know, I didn't feel a connection to the movie or the book at all. There was something missing there for me. And I don't know, maybe you don't like unicorns? Maybe you feel about unicorns like I feel about time travel. Oh, no. Is this? Oh, no. <laughs> so here's, it... here's uh... as a kid, I really, as a kid, I really liked the unicorn a whole lot. Because that she's kind of an asshole, and as a kid, I was kind of an asshole. I'm still an asshole. I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying then. <laughs> but I just she just smoked her mind, and it was really refreshing. Because you know, as a kid, like as a kid, especially as a girl in the south, you're just like you you open your mouth. They're like, no, don't talk. Shut up. So the fact that this unicorn would just like speak her mind, I was like, yeah, unicorn, you tell them. Probably that's what I got out of it as a kid. I'm guessing. I don't know. Okay, but, like, as but... an adult, as an adult, it's totally different. The character that I identify with as an adult, the butterfly. Oh, no. No. Was... And the drunken was... skeleton and the <laughs> fake pirate cat. Those are the three characters I identify with in this movie now. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I like you. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that's surreal. the stuff. You're so psychedelic, like, on acid. Someone yes. was one asked when they wrote and and I am, and however, it, not. I do not identify with the the boob tree. The I boob not, tree. I do not identify with the boob tree. Hilarious. I don't know. For me, the book, um, which I haven't read, I, so I, I have no clue. So I think I liked Molly very much in the book, especially that scene that ha- that appears in the movie as well, but it didn't have the same gravitas as I thought. It, w- it wasn't as moving as it was for me when reading the book, which was when she first sees the unicorn. She says, why did you come right now when I'm this? Because she's no longer like a maiden. And I felt so moved by that in the book and in the movie kind of like loses the impact. And I don't know if it's because of the animation. I don't know if it's because of the acting. I I couldn't really tell. The thing for me that bothered me, because like you, I actually really like the unicorn as an asshole. Yeah. How how removed she was, how she couldn't care less about anyone or anything. But then she goes and she falls in love. And then she becomes human. Yeah, love will fuck you up. Love will totally fuck you up. What? What a and, lesson for a, like a children's cartoon. 
Oh my god! And I was so upset by that. And I, I keep, I'm trying to figure out why am I so upset. So I said in my post, right, that to me it felt like because she was a woman or she was a female, that was the story that was told because only because she was a girl that she fell in love with the man. The man because it, throughout it felt like she didn't have a lot of agency. It wasn't her choice for anything that happened because she kept being moved around by people and in the end it was the guy and in the movie he was very loud and he would say you know someone has to be the hero and he goes and he dies heroically or oh, actually he doesn't die anyway he sacrifices himself heroically and then she gets you know moved to fight the red bull gives you wing anyway sorry and I can't she believe got... you went for that cheap joke, Anna. We are not a we are not a comedy podcast. I'm sorry, it's just it was just there. You just had to so... pick it up, didn't you? Yeah, I'm not gonna let it go. I'm gonna oh. remind you of this when you're 80. Remember that terrible <laughs> joke you made about Red Bull when we discussed it last unicorn? I remember it. I felt really disappointed in that, and a lot of people who left comments on the blog post they were very much into that aspect of the story of the romance and how love saved and changed her and how beautiful that is and i'm like eh, no maybe i am unromantic maybe i didn't I am find that very cynical. i didn't find that romantic i didn't find any of that romantic i don't like even as a kid i didn't like it as a romance do you know what i mean i thought the, yeah. whole, the whole point was to me that he just kept doing the stuff that didn't she didn't care about and he's like what does she want from me i'm like i don't know dude maybe she wants you to leave her the fuck alone ever give her that a, ever give that a thought like i mean but you know seven year old me though. didn't have like we seven year old me didn't like sit around and like cussing at cartoon characters but like it took me a long time to like care about romance in cartoons like for how pervasive heteronormative romance is in cartoons for children I didn't really like it that much. I no. really found it unnecessary and pointless. And even now, as I watch it as an adult, I'm just like, no, I don't really see there. What chemistry is it here? That what chemistry even exists? There's, nothing. There is nothing there. There was nothing there in the book. There was nothing there in the movie. And then she just falls in love with him, and she loves him. And then she's the only unicorn to know regret and love. And, that, and that's what's missing. For Bullshit. You, I think. That's what's missing for you. That's what's there's an emotional core that's not there. That's not there. Okay. Maybe that's it. It's supposed to be there. They they are telling us that it is there. Well, that's probably the part of the problem, right? They're telling us. They tell us a lot in this movie. They tell us a lot. And yeah, sure, it's for kids. But there's a lot of telling happening. Yeah. Especially especially weird because this is a visual medium. So there's a lot more chances to do visual storytelling, which they also kind of don't do. And maybe that's a restriction of the animation budget. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah, I, when I just rewatched it, so like I just didn't. I was like, oh, the part with the drunken skeleton. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I think right. The thing for me with this movie, uh, beyond the story that I already knew and was expecting, what I liked the most about it was how nostalgic it made me feel for something else. I think I emailed you about it. Yeah, you showed, it. You, you emailed me a like an opening to another show that had the same animation style. 
Yeah. So, what did you think? Did you, didn't you think it was very similar? Yeah, or was it, was it really? It, it looked really. Okay, so so what happens is when I was growing up at the same time that the the, the, the last unicorn came out in the US, I guess, uh, in Brazil, I was growing up with Japanese animation and Japanese uh, TV shows. We get, we had a lot of Japanese TV shows in Brazil. And there was this particular one that it was called in Portuguese Super, Advent- Super Aventuras, which is like Super Adventures translated into English. But the official name in English is actually Fairy Tales from All Over the World. And after watching Last Unicorn, I was like, I know this. This sounds so familiar to me. And then, of course, I went and I to Wikipedia and I found out that the animation was made by a, a Japanese animation company. And it was not the same one that did this TV show that I'm talking about. But it, but that one was also a Japanese animation company. So it kind of like it has the same feel, the animation, the sad, the pervasive sadness of the story, the the song, the soundtrack, the music. It's, it just feels very similar to me. So I'm watching this and, and I'm going and I'm thrown back to my childhood watching this really sad. You know, I mocked you for liking The Last Unicorns, but actually these series that I, that I used to watch every day on TV, they were really sad. All of those fairy tales, they were less Disney-fied and more and closer to the original. So therefore, they were really dark and, and serious and sad, and they made me cry every single day. Yay for Japanese animation, <laughs> I guess. That rips your heart out? Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. I haven't made no. you watch Sailor Moon yet. Oh, no, you haven't. Is that very sad? I mean, I found... No, I find Sailor Moon pretty hopeful, but there's a lot of parts of it that can be extremely sad. Although, I'm not actually sure how I'm going to get you to watch 200 episodes of this anime. <laughs> <laughs> because there's 200 episodes of the anime. Yeah, no. And three movies. No. Yes, it's going to happen one day. Oh, my God. Maybe when we are old and retired. No, I mean, you, listen, there it's 200 episodes. They're like 30 minutes long. If you t- if you cut out the fact that they would have commercials or even less, where would I find them? Are they on Netflix? Uh, no, but I think they're putting them out. I bought my copies. Listen, I went through some shit for some Southern Moon. I used to. <laughs> I bought some fan subs, which I actually still have on VHS, like subtitled in English by a fan who <sighs> just did it for other fans, and then you paid them for like the you paid them for the cost of the tapes and shipping, and he would just do it. <laughs> And so I still have those. Actually. Wow! And then they finally started coming out on DVD because you couldn't get you couldn't get past a certain point in Southern Moon R in the U.S. because they just weren't they weren't brought over they weren't purchased licensed I guess here. And then also when they were finally licensed, the U.S. did something really fucking weird and like they made two of the queer women characters uh, cousins. Oh. And I don't even know how they would have begun to adapt stars, which is, like, super gender-bendy. <laughs> like, I have no clue how they would have done that. Maybe they did it, I just stopped following. But no, there's some Japanese stuff that will fuck you up. They're not joking around. <laughs> <laughs> With, because I've heard stories, stories from my friends who, like, watched Full Metal, Full Metal Alchemist and yeah. uh, Ghost in the Shell. There was another yeah. one called Evangelion fucked people up (laughs) just like okay so i've just heard a lot of cartoons here they just don't they don't feel the same unless you get into a certain 
corner of cartoon land where you get like cool world <laughs> jesus mm. christ cool world oh my god i should make you watch that what the hell is that oh my god just like it just came to be cool world oh my god <laughs> it was so oh it was so like copies of that movie passed around my school like drugs because Aww. it was just like the super sexy cartoon oh wow i'm remembering all these cartoons like, like baby's kids no 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 i love baby's kids what was it about a family. I don't know. It's it's possible that I know them because, but because in Brazil we would have them yeah. translated into Portuguese. I would have to send you the, different name. I would have to send you the links to them, and you can tell me if you see. Okay. Them. Oh my god! I'm just like I gotta have the visuals from Cool World in my head now, and I can't get rid of them because <laughs> it's so over the top. So you definitely have we you definitely have to share that with me and with our listeners oh as well. Because we we should include a link to a YouTube video of that. So with our main, I'm post. sure there are plenty of people who I, when I said the word were like, "Oh God, Renee, why did you have to bring that up? Oh, yeah. Put it back <laughs> in the hole, <laughs> in the vault." Yeah. So the last unicorn is it's weird. You know when you like stuff as a kid and you grow, and you grow up and you watch it again, you just don't get the same things out of it. That's true of yeah. any, any sort of media. Yeah. I get more comedy out of this now because you have like the really weird, the, the boob tree and and the really the weird Robin, the yeah. really weird Robin Hood scene. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was so random out of nowhere, and it's super dark. Like this movie kind of scared me when I was a kid. It was a little scary. It was a little scary for me. Like, it is the, the Red Bull. It was the. I remember watching it for the first time as a kid. I remember the first time I watched it because I was sitting really close to the television. It was the first time I've ever seen it. And the butterfly scene happened with that, that, that little older butterfly dude who the unicorn tries to get information out of. And he just puts her off and sings silly songs. And then finally tells her the truth about the, the unicorns and who's driven them away. And that scene where he talks about the Red Bull, it was so fucking creepy to me. That, like, I remember being a kid and getting goosebumps. And when I watched it this time, I got the same feeling. That moment um, in the movie where this butterfly is talking about the Red Bull. The tone changes and it gets really super dark. There are, uh, there are a few moments like that. Especially, like, when they're in the little carnival of animals. And yeah. the harpy kills the lady. Yeah! I was like, wow, is this a kid's movie? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, but maybe it shouldn't have been a young kid's movie. Yeah. So moments like that, they still held up for me, especially the fake pirate cat and the drunken skeleton. Huh. Yeah. I I have a theory about this movie, actually, that I think makes it better. Oh? I think the butterfly is a time traveler coming from the future because, oh, like, the, the, the movie has these scenes that appear to be in a medieval setting, but this butterfly is singing songs from the 70s and 80s. Oh, this, oh the soundtrack, America. So, I think he's a time traveler. He came, he told her where to go and save the unicorns, so that she could save the unicorns, so that unicorns could be well and alive in the future, where he comes from. That's a good so that's, theory, I wonder if anybody that's an, That's an amazing theory. Hashtag I, unicorn theory. Yeah. So time travel. <laughs> what do you think about the time, soundtrack of this movie? I don't remember the soundtrack of this movie. I mean, you, the songs were in it. Oh my god, of course. There are so many songs. Uh, I just dozed off. But they weren't. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a real 
that's a real selling point for America the band. <laughs> oh, is it America the band? Uh, that's oh. the band that sings some of the songs. Yes, like oh, all right. like the the deep moody seventies music. <laughs> the beginning where she's like no traveling. they were sorry i'm sorry america but they were super boring <laughs> i'm sorry do you like the songs I, all those songs like they gave me some serious emotions it's oh, like it's, yeah. a nostal- it's a nostalgia thing it's probably nostalgia thing. yeah no for me you know it was super boring i was kind of like doing other stuff when they were <laughs> well on that note like no anyway thanks for sharing with me this childhood favorite you're welcome i i hope you had a lot of thoughts about it apparently you did a lot of thoughts and feelings yes which is my goal time traveling theories of course she's always good of course she did yeah all right let's move on yep moving on from time traveling butterfly theories to our favorites of the last quarter it's time for media adventures where we talk about the things we've loved from october until now Anna, do you have your list? I do have my list. I have like multiple things on my list. You're supposed to have five to... things. I have seven things, so I have to cut two off. Oh no! I can do this. I can do this. I can totally do this. I believe in you. I think you can do it. You should go first. So I'm gonna start with something that is not a favorite. How is it? it how is it on your list? If it's not a favorite. <laughs> it's because I want an excuse to talk about it. Fine. <laughs> I guess I'll allow it this one time. Thank you. Um, so it's not a favorite, but it is a media adventure. So you know how much I loved The Three-Body Problem by Sishin Yu. And it won the Hugo Award for Best Novel this year. And I celebrated so much. It was one of my top 10 books from last year. I loved that book. I gave it a 10. It was amazing. And so I have been waiting for the sequel, The Dark Forest, which came out earlier this year. And I was very busy. It's a big book. And it's a book about physics and with a lot of maths and shit. And it's a book that you need to pay attention to. So I was waiting for a moment where I could sit down and read that book and dedicate myself to it. Because I was looking to read it so much. And it sucked. It sucked. This it is broke. against. This is a, this is exact opposite of what this segment is. <laughs> I know, but I need to talk about it because, okay, so part of it did not suck. Okay, part of it was phenomenal. It was better even than the three body problem. Everything dealing with the aliens and the invasion and how Earth would deal with it and how the author envisions how humankind would deal with the fact that they have 400 years to prepare themselves for an alien invasion that is coming. So this is really clever. It's really well done. And... Maybe we should have disclaimed for spoilers. The ideas are there. Maybe we should. The spoilers. Sorry. It's a little late. (laughs) The ideas are there, but then the female characters aren't. Look, this series has... A lot of head hopping. It goes from one person to another. Sometimes it feels a little bit like the the, the author was aiming toward an omniscient narrator. But the first novel kept going back over and over to this female character. She was very important. But she never came back for the second book. And the second book doesn't have any female characters as a viewpoint character. And it's, and it's a cast of dozens, cast of dozens. There is one point 
where the main character in the second book, or what we could call a protagonist, because like I said, there are so many characters, but what the person that we could call the protagonist of this book, he invented a woman in his mind because he decided to be a writer at one point. And then he wrote a female character and he fell in love with her. And he kept imagining her coming to his house and then having sex. And that is the ideal woman for him. You know, innocent, like childish, not very educated because women who are very educated, are, you know, too world weary to be good people. And at one point, he, because he's given four motives of the plot, he's given unlimited resources. And he goes in search of this woman that he invented. And he finds a woman. And at one point, people take this woman away from him, freeze her so that he can be motivated to fight the aliens. So what happens here is literal freezing of a character as motivation for a male character. And at this point, I could have thrown the book against the wall, but I didn't because I was reading on my Kindle. It broke my heart. It was like being, I was being punched in the face repeatedly reading this. So it's not a favorite book, but it's a favorite top of conversation, which is why it's here. So The Dark Forest by Xixing Lu, I do not recommend. I'm never reading this series now, like ever, ever. It's just Not like, even the first book, never happening. It's just so heartbreaking. And then I wonder if these things were all in the first book and I just didn't pay attention because I was so in love with the premise and the plot, it, which is possible because no one is perfect. Although I like to think that I am perfect, but you know, maybe I am not. Maybe. I don't know. You you liked uh, Pat Patrick Rothfuss first book. Oh my god, I did. I loved that. But I was a baby blog then. A baby blogger then. That's okay. And the, it's okay to the, look problematic things, Anna. It's all right. I know. I know. Well, I know. all right. So that was one of so, your things. <laughs> Sorry to I'm, be a downer. <laughs> I'm gonna put a, like a hella spoiler warning on this podcast now, so people don't like email us going, "How dare you!" Spoil this book that I was looking forward to. I'm sorry. Maybe you can take that as, you know, adv advisory. Reader's advisory. Do what I do. Like, I will can... go and read books I hate, and I'm just like, I can't believe this is so bad. Everybody go read it and talk to me yeah. about it. Like, that's really, yes, I'm the well, worst. I'm the yeah, worst. I will, I will anti-write books. I'll be like, I was so mad at this book. Everybody go read it and come come tell me if I was right. Probably I've sold more books that way than I have, like, do positive reviewing. <laughs> now that I think about it. What do you have for us? Well, my first thing is a graphic novel. Nobody's surprised. It's going to be The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 1, by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Bako recommended this comic to me, and I read it, and I love it so much. It is so funny and great. I'm so happy that I was told to read this, because I probably would have kept putting it off. But it's Doreen Green. It's fantastic. She's got a best friend, Nancy, who is also fantastic, and she... She kicks butts and eats nuts. And there's so many nut puns, and I love it. It's such a funny comic. The second I love volume, it too. Well, the second volume is out, but I think the first volume, if I had to like choose, I would choose the first volume. It has rebooted since this nonsense Secret Wars, so there's a new number one, which the all-new Squirrel Girl you can go get, that picks up eight months after the, sec the last issue of the first run. 
So if you do end up picking up the first volume, just just know that there's more, but it's weird because Marvel's an asshole. But anyway, <laughs> Squirrel Girl is super cute. And if you like comedy, I highly recommend this. Sorry, I'm, not, I'm sorry that my record's not as good as Anna's. <laughs> She's had a lot of feelings. I have feelings too. But... My next one is Star Wars related. Oh. I'm going to recommend Moving Target by Cecil Castellucci and Jason Fry. It's one of those Journey to Star Wars books that were released by Disney. This one is one of the YA novels that they did. Cecil Castellucci is a really good YA writer, by the way. If you haven't read any of her books, I highly recommend them. Moving Target is a Princess Leia adventure. And it's really good because remember when we were talking about the movies when we did our uh, Star Wars episode? We said that we didn't feel like the writers of the movies gave the lives, the, the inner lives of women a lot of thought. No. We, we talked about this. So this is set between The Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi. It gives a lot of what we felt was missing. It's all the inner feelings of Princess Leia, what she feels about her home world being destroyed, what she feels about Han Solo being frozen in carbonite and her not being able to go rescue him immediately because she has a mission and she has a duty because she's a leader of the rebels. Uh, what she feels like about being a leader, what she feels like about you know, Darth Vader is, and she was tortured by Darth Vader in A New Hope. And we never get to see that in the movie at all. And in here, she's still, you know, experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder. It's, it's an amazing, amazing novel. I loved it to bits. And it's the opening and the prologue and the epilogue of, of the novel are set right now in the world of Star Wars. So it's General Leia Organa who is talking about this story that happened years ago as her autobiography. So it's, it's really cool and it's non-spoilerific. You can, you can read it without having watched Star Wars The Force Awakens because there are no spoilers or no major spoilers for the movie. But, you know, by the time you read this, the movie will be already out anyway. So highly recommended. Moving Target. So next is a book that is really, it's really funny that you talked about this book set in the Star Wars canon that's basically fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that fanfic is something to laugh at, but meanwhile, as long as Disney pays you money for it and approves it, apparently it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's an old, old rant. <laughs> <laughs> My next one is Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. If you read Fangirl by Rainbow Rainbow Rowell, you know the story that Kath was writing in there was a fan fiction of characters of a book that's fictional and that was highly based on Harry Potter. So Rowell went back and wrote a novel about these characters that Kath was writing fanfic about. It's very meta. <laughs> you can read about it on the internet. Look it up. Carry On was a really interesting experiment because it's this idea that you can really get metatextual with the work you write, and it's a book, and it has a story, and it has original characters, but it's also very much a Harry Potter critique. It's taking so many of like the fan debates and fan criticisms and shipper discussions into account while it's telling the story. And I think that you might get less out of it if you weren't like really heavy into like Harry Draco 
fandom. Obviously, I'm missing a bunch because I was I was very much a lurker in Harry Potter fandom. I was really afraid <laughs> that fandom it was so big. But even looking at it from my perspective, I can see like some of the criticisms that she's tackling, that the problems that were inherent in the Harry Potter series. Some of the characters she, she creates are great. There's a character named Agatha who is just perfect. I want it like I want a whole book about Agatha now. But I really love I really love this book. I thought it was a great experiment, a great story, a really interesting way to engage in criticism of something you love, and a really great continuation of threads laid down in her previous book. If you are like into fandom or fetish criticism or you were in Harry Potter fandom, I and you haven't read this book for some strange reason, I highly recommend you give it a shot. Anna. Are you going to read this book? I bought this book. I know. As soon as you start talking it up, and I bought it, and I haven't read it Because yet. you're too busy, I know. It's fine. I know. Yeah. So, I actually haven't read any of her books yet. Now I'm curious to see what you think. Because I've read several of her books. I've read Fangirl, I've read Carry On, and I've read Attachment. Yeah. Attachments okay. was the one. Were you, like, dubious about Attachments? I was very dubious about Attachment. I, was, I told you to read it anyway. Yes, it did. Is that is that one of those that you want me to read it because you want to me to suffer? No. No, no not at all. <laughs> I mean, yes, sometimes I do want you to suffer, but not with this one, no. <laughs> I think you'll make it to the end and you will... I'm curious about what you will think of it at the end. I'm curious whether you'll come away with like, whoa, creepy, or yeah, creepy, but I see how it could work. Oh, I'm knowing just... me... I'm just curious about what, how what you would think about it. Like, okay, all right. Maybe we should add that to our roster for 2016. Maybe we should. Yeah. So okay. okay. So what's your next thing? Okay, my next thing is uh, a thing that you recommended to me so much, and the whole world has been talking about it so much, and it's Hamilton the musical, the soundtrack, and I was, you know, dubious about it. I'm not into listening music, as you know. I find it... I don't connect to songs at all. I don't listen to music. I don't have a radio, an iPod, anything like that. I, If I go and listen to something, it will be on YouTube and I'll just get an 80s ballad or a 70s ABBA song. Probably because I grew up listening to those, so that there's the nostalgia element. So I, I don't do music. I like musicals, though. Musical theater, for some reason. Probably because of the storytelling. So I was kind of, like, resistant to listening to listen to Hamilton until the whole world was talking about it. And you were so much into it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to listen to Renee. And I'm going to listen to this thing. And as you know... You have I a history in, degree. Uh, you have a history degree. I fell in love with it. And there's well, no but, way that you wouldn't fall in with it if you have a history degree. I mean, I'm sure there's I, some weird, weirdo I, history I, people I, out there that I have a history degree, but not in the history of the United well, States. Well, yeah, but you, I, nobody I gets even, a history degree if they don't like history in general. That's true. I and mean, I, they, you, there's not a lot of money in history degrees there, Anna. I, I, mean. I, I tell me about it. <laughs> I'm a history minor. I'm aware. The reason why I moved to the UK Redux, so, you know, I loved it. I love it. And the funny thing is that I cried my way through Act 1. Have you even listened to Act 2 yet? I have not listened to Act 2 yet. 
Because I reached the end of Act 1. That song non-stop destroyed me. I listened to it multiple times. And it's such a beautiful song. And I am I have become convinced that this is a thing to be seen rather than to be heard. And because I love it so much, I am I am wondering and worried, am I missing something for not seeing it? I don't know, because the Lin-Manuel Miranda has said that the reason he did such a robust cast recording is because yeah. he knows how hard it is to see shows on Broadway. He knows how financially restrictive uh, it is. Uh, du- dude, dude, let's have a conversation. So I stopped, I started bugging my partner about Hamilton. I was like, listen to this, it's so amazing. He's like, what the fuck? And- <laughs> <laughs> Your poor husband. <laughs> I've, I've brought so much pain and suffering into his life. So much pain. So much pain. And I was like, there was this one day he came home and was like, I'm just going to listen to this one more time, okay? And I played the You'll Be Back, the ballad from King George. And he's like, what the hell is this? And then you're listening to Hamilton. And he's like, who is that? And it's like, a founding father. Because you know that, so, but before, because you totally knew that before you listened to this. Exactly. You didn't know so, that at all. And I did not know that at all. I did know. <laughs> I thought. I I thought he was one of the Mount Rushmore guys, but he's not. So anyway, I know. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Hamilton? Alexander okay. Hamilton. Oh my god! Like I, I like am I at work? And then all of a sudden I'll go Alexander Hamilton, and then my. <laughs> My co my colleague, she sits just ni- next to me. She would just give me the side eyes, and she's like, "Who the fuck?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Alexandra, I they're gonna think you're having an they're gonna think you're having an affair." <laughs> anyway, so my partner, he was like, "It's your fortieth birthday next year. How about we go to New York for a long weekend and we watch this play?" So I ran. And the tickets are like a thousand dollars. Yeah, five hundred dollars. They're not six hundred dollars per person uh-huh. for a seat up there on the back. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. So, guess who is not going to New York to see Hamilton? That would be you, because that's really <laughs> expensive. <laughs> Me, but you know, it's coming to the UK in 2017. Maybe that's a rumor. There's a rumor. You went and found a rumor that it's coming. To- they have to tour it eventually because they they'll have to. They're going to Chicago. Yeah, but I think a lot of like I think one of my friends said that they were flying to New York to see it with the original cast. I would love to see that as well, and I wonder if they will just get white people for the play in England. But then it would defeat the purpose of the play. I don't know. I don't think he would allow for that to happen. I really hope he wouldn't, like, license yeah. it. I think it's probably, maybe yeah. he would be, I hope he has enough control to, like, completely disallow that from ever happening. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I think I will wait. I think I'm gonna do this for myself as a present to myself. Wait until I can see it. Do not wait to listen to Act 2. You cannot walk in and see this Act 2, like, live. Like, don't do it, Anna. Don't do it. <laughs> Oh, I'm, Renee. Oh, Renee. I'm you warning you. Don't do it. You will have so sweet, many regrets. Sweet summer child. I know the entire plot. I know. It's not the same. It's hearing it. I read everything. It's fine. You could read everything, but it's not the same as hearing it. 
hearing it is also not the same as seeing it. I don't know. I it's just the way my my brain and my heart work. Like I'm running out of time. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not crying on this podcast. I'm moving on. I'm moving I'm shifting the conversation immediately away from Hamilton. We're going to the next topic. What's your next recommendation? So the next one is The Winter Long by Shannon McGuire. And it's really awkward because you can't read this book first. You have to read the other, however many there are. I can't, I don't know which book this is. <laughs> Eight? Seven? I don't, I don't know. So it's in the middle of a series. <laughs> Literally in the middle of a series, I think. And I can't say anything about it. I, I, I wanted to recommend it because it was one of my favorite things this quarter. But there's nothing I can say about the winter long besides I loved it. It was wonderful. McGuire is one of the best storytellers I've ever read. The layering she did in these books to get to this point, to make this book pay off, was fantastic. And I really think that if you have not read the series, you just need to go. Just go buy them. Just go. Just go. You can find yeah. them. And they're available. The first, the first one is called Rosemary and Rue. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, helping them out there. And I highly recommend the series as well. Well, she's like, not... you haven't gone far enough. You didn't get to this book. No, I'm still on book four or five. You're on book the... five. The first five books are amazing, so... So see, that's a recommend. That's a double recommendation for the first five. The, the sixth one is also good, and the seventh is phenomenal. That's totally, uh, that's totally a, a kosher recommendation. You can read this one thing, but you have to read these, like, other six things before it. <laughs> You're welcome, Internet. Yes. <laughs> okay. Your so turn, because for- I can't say anything else about the book. Okay, so for me, the next one is called The Seventh Bride by T. Kingfisher. And T. Kingfisher is a uh, a pen name of uh, Ursula Vernon. She is like an um, illustrator, children's author, Hugo Award winner. And she writes these fairy tale retellings. And The Seventh Bride is the blue beard retelling. And it's fantastic. It's one of the best retellings I have ever read. It's very feminist. It's the the main character. It's hilarious for some reason, this book. And the main character is amazing. And it's quite heavy and sad as well because she goes there and she finds about his wives who in this retelling are alive, more or less. And it's very much like all of these women coming together to survive. It's fantastic. So there's a book series that I really like that I've yelled about a lot on here called The Expanse that starts with Leviathan Wakes. Sci-Fi has adapted the first book into a season of television. It's airing on Sci-Fi Now. They have done this weird thing where they've ported some stuff from book two into the first book because uh, unfortunately the first book is the weakest book of the series. And I always tell people when I recommend the series to read Caliban's War first and then to read Leviathan Wakes as its prequel. I'm sure that's one day somebody's going to get really mad at me for doing that. (laughs) That's so interesting. (laughs) Yeah, like I deliberately recommend Caliban's War first uh, because Caliban's War has Bobby Draper and uh, Christian Avasarala, who are both amazing women. So I watched the first episode a few weeks ago because I wrote a column for Tor that was revisiting the book in light of the series, to say what we want, what we think could be adapted, what we think might could be left behind. I really, really, really liked this first episode. I really thought it was like a really well done piece of like visual adaptation. Of course, they did some whitewashing of a character, I think, that is not good. But, I mean, what it's, ho- it's Hollywood. I don't know what you're going to do there. <laughs> 
as long I guess as long as I don't like start watching like the main characters of the series, I'll be okay because like a lot there's a lot of people of color in this book. I mean, especially in the second book, Caliban's War, which will become the second season of the show. So it's just really fascinating to see what might happen as long as they don't whitewash these characters. Really pleased with how it's going so far, although I do think it's kind of slow. I don't want to be like that person who goes, oh, well, you should just wait and binge it because obviously that would hurt ratings and then you might not get more of it. But I do think it probably might hold together better <laughs> It's like if you just watch it all in one long narrative thing. But I'm also not sure if that's because I know what's happening because I read the book. So I'm actually curious. That's why I wanted you to like watch the first episode. Did you watch the first episode? Part of it. Yeah, because you had a problem with the... Uh... I, I had a problem with the language. I couldn't understand what people were saying. So I really need subtitles for this series, I think. So I might have to wait, after all, to watch it. Which is fine. I don't mind. I actually prefer to binge-watch things anyway, so... Yeah, so the first episode is good. I definitely recommend checking it out, because there's a lot of, like, dude stuff happening in the first episode, but later on in the series, even though I hate this whole thing where I'm just like, if you just wait, it gets better when it comes to women thing that has to happen sometimes with media, it does actually get a lot better. There's a character, Naomi, who's in, who's not really in this episode very much. She's just a little bit, the first episode. But she becomes super important, and her actress is great. So, yes, highly recommended this first episode of The Expanse on Sci-Fi. So, I have three left. I need to pick one. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wow. Season three, part one. I'm so behind. So, it's the first ten episodes. It just... the. The mini season, say, just ended last week. Episode 9 made me super angry. And it's something that is unforgivable to me. Oh, no. But overall, the season was actually pretty good. And it ended well. And I cannot wait to see where it goes from there. It's very dark, the end of this season. The end of this um, first half of the season. But I love, I love Sky or Daisy. I love how her and Mac are definitely a team. I love Fitzsimmons. I love everything that happened with Simmons in this story, more or less, or how she came back from the place where she was taken at the end of season two. And May, it's been great as well. You can't say anything because you'll spoil it. I can't, me. yes, exactly. I can't say anything. Anyway, so I really enjoyed, I'm, I'm so surprised of how good it is. And there was something that happened with Ward. That you can't talk about. The, but it made me so happy, so. Oh, God. Okay, that's a spoiler in itself. <laughs> so, hey, I will leave it there. So, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I I have no idea how this show got to be good, but it did. So mir- miracles do happen, I guess. It's Christmas coming, so anyway. Merry Christmas, Anna. Oh, yes. Merry Christmas, Renee. My last rec for this quarter is a novelette by Inka Jemison called Stone Hunger. This oh. was published last year in Clark's World, and it's set in the same world as the fifth season. It doesn't have the same characters. It's not spoilery at all for for the character and plot stuff in the fifth season, but it's in the same world and there's the same kind of people with powers and it works in the same way. And it's about this girl who is on the run in a land that is currently suffering from like a terrible catastrophe and she's hungry and she's tired 
and the way that she survives is sort of morally dubious. We see what happens when her, she chooses the wrong target to continue her survival and explores the nature of survival and revenge and what happens when you get revenge. It's really good. I really liked it a whole lot. And it's available for free. So if you haven't read it and you liked the fifth season, I highly recommend you read the story. So I think we are done with our favorites of the last quarter. I mean, yeah. Aren't you proud of me for not mentioning Black Wolves 8,000 times? (laughs) I think I deserve some kudos. A few. Except that you just threw it in there. only once. Just now. Only once. (laughs) Once. Okay. Kudos to you then. Thank you. I get points for that. Yes. All right. right. Now that we have filled your to-be-read lists and to-be-watched list to the brim, you're welcome. We're moving on to discussing Back to the Future, a 1985 science fiction film premised on Marty McFly accidentally traveling back in time to 1955, cock-blocking his parents and having to repair the damage before he and his siblings <laughs> vanish from the timeline forever, while also attempting to return home. Cock-blocking his parents... I mean, that's the summary of this movie, isn't it? This is Marty McFly goes back in the, into the past to cockblock his parents. <laughs> oh my god, okay. So I think there's nothing left to say about this movie. This is the end of this podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> this is amazing. Well done. Well done. Never uh, anything. Bow. So, bow. So thank good. you. Thank you very much. So I'm a little bit terrified. Did you like this movie? Just tell me. Tell me. Directly, pronto, presto. I didn't dislike this movie. I, why? Oh God, Anna! I don't like. I just predicted everything that was going to happen, except for the Libyans. I did not see that coming. <laughs> that was a surprise. Every single emotional note that it tried to hit, every single like, t- tense moment it tried uh, to hit. I just like I saw everything. Like it was like, oh, okay. I'm, I just okay. I'm too. Right. I'm. I, I'm too. It's. It was made in ni- in the 1980s, and so I. From, like, you know, 1989 until, like, 1999, I was watching teen movies that had this exact same basic format. So I knew everything that was going to happen. Okay, but then can we agree that because this came first, probably everything else that you watched later had been infused with I mean, everything copied. Yes. All the teen like, teen movies or whatever were copying the 1980s. All, yes. And also, that's a, they're just really interesting portrayal of high school that <laughs> I know is just, uh, like, in some ways is accurate, but in a lot of ways it's just this Hollywood... It's Hollywood high school. Yeah, it's a Hollywood Well, you mean, in, any movie or TV show made in America that shows high school is all Hollywood high school. Do not me, believe because, it. It's not because, true. Because, you know, it's completely different from high school in Brazil. And now you're telling me that it's even different from high school in America. Oh, so, yeah. You know. Like, very, very different. It's just so... Here's the first point at which I got tossed out of this movie. Marty is coming into school with Jennifer. And he's tardy. And the principal, I guess, like, gives him a tardy slip. And then, like, verbally abuses him. I don't know in what, you know, state that would be okay. I'm just like, this is so over the top and maybe it's supposed to be but like for me it just doesn't hold up at all and so from from that moment on i'm just like you know when you're like watching something and you want to sing into the story and you want to like empathize with the main character i could like there was a block like at at that after that moment 
I just like I was always aware I was watching a movie instead of had like just enjoying the story and following what Marty was going through. And I hate when that happens. It's like the fourth wall becomes like an invisible barrier and I just can't like I'm not feeling any of the emotion. Like the emotion that I'm feeling like now. Like Where... you can you can see it but I'm making the saddest face I have ever made throughout the duration of this podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, this is this is my favorite movie of all time. Of all time, that's really oh, tall order. I don't know time. how you wanted me to react. I should have lied. I have watched this movie so many times. Do you know how many times I have watched this movie? Seven hundred and fifty-six. No, I don't know how many times I have watched this movie. Well, because you told I me to guess. <laughs> so I don't. I. Uh, so, I do you want like... to hear the parts I liked? Okay. The parts I definitely liked were every single time Marty made a fool of Biff. That was really good. <laughs> Anytime uh, Dr. Brown and Marty were interacting, I really liked Doc Brown. He was great. I just yes, really liked Christopher let's... Lloyd. Well, if we think about it, like a high school guy hanging out with this old dude. Uh, Anna, <laughs> guess what? I'm going to give you a big revelation here. Oh my god, I mean, I'm, 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 am I prepared for this? No. I don't... When I was a kid and a teenager, I hung out with a lot of old guys. A lot of them. Looking back now, it's a little creepy. But my dad was a friend, my dad was an old guy. Like, he was, like, I was born really late in his life, and he had a lot of old guy friends. So, I would just go and hang out at old guys' houses. Oh. And I spent a lot of time with old guys. So that part didn't toss me out, because that was actually one of the more realistic parts of this movie. Isn't that interesting? That's amazing. Like, because I could totally see, like, Marty having a, a mentor-mentee relationship with Doc yeah. Brown. And I, you know, a lot of these men I spent time with as a kid, because my dad knew them, and he, like, they could watch me, and he could go off and, like, bail, like, bail some hay or whatever for an hour. Like, I would just hang around and feed their chickens, or play with their dogs, and they would <laughs> sit on the porch, and... They would be creeps, now that I think about it. So it was really kind of probably not great and problematic, although I was never abused by any of these men, I'm going to be clear. Uh, but I guess it's more normalized for, like, teen boys to have, like, hang out with older men. It's yeah. not such a cool thing for teen girls, probably, to hang out with older men. Because probably, our society yeah. makes it creepy. But it wasn't creepy. It was normal. It was just, at the time, it just felt normal to me, okay? Okay. <laughs> so, so that didn't tossed me out at all that was fine i was just like that's interesting oh, that's so sweet they have such a nice relationship they, they care do about each other yes and considering that he didn't have any other friends no right in this movie he didn't yeah i know it's it's the weirdest thing the, the, every time i watch this movie and i watch this movie at least two three times a year i discover new things and this is one of the reasons why i love it so much as well of course at the the focus of the movie for me is the time travel element because as we know yes i'm a time travel fan so that element to me is what makes the movie and it's so so iconic martin mcfly and emmett brown and the things that they say and they how they say it and of course you have this whole thing with his mom which is hilarious and he thinks that his mom is this sweet girl, and of course she isn't. I just love it. And I love the whole, the shenanigans that they have to go through to get him back to the future. 
There were a it's... little bit too many shenanigans. No. Yes, there were too many shenanigans. Especially at the end there with the clock tower and the, like, the little connector thing. I was like, yeah. okay, this has gone on at least six minutes too long, guys. Oh, but then now you need to watch the second and the third because they go back there again to that moment moment in time so it's like it's so layered because it just keep they keep going back to the same point so i'm not going to talk about that because we, you haven't watched the oh second my gosh, which two more you must <laughs> uh they are not as good and I, and I haven't watched the second or third as many times as i have watched the first one Hilar- i'm gonna love it if i watch like the second or third one and love them i'm gonna be, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna be real amused yeah yeah me too but Yes, yeah, so this is one of those childhood things, like the last unicorn is for you. Yes, for me, it's Back to the Future. Definitely, I watched on on VHS the video. I watched the second one in the movies when it came out, and the third one as well, of course. And I love it so much. Everything about it, and I just although. Like I said, every time I watch it, I find things. And my last, the last time I watched, I realized how um, his girlfriend doesn't have a lot to do, of course. And the biggest misstep of this movie, I think this is a perfect movie in many ways. The biggest misstep for me is how in the movie, Marty McFly becomes the person who invented rock and roll. And of course, he's a white person. He's stealing that from a black person that is fucked up and i never noticed that before until i watched it like i think last year and i said oh shit this is what he's effectively doing he's taking credit for something that he you know there was a a a black person who did and i was like oh fuck this is so fucking racist movie you're so bad but i still love it i didn't like the part where every time he like first saw his mom in different parts of the movie he's like oh you're so thin fuck you marty oh yeah that's true fuck there's you. a little bit of fat shaming there definitely a fat lady fuck you <laughs> that's what i think about that i did like the skateboarding that was great oh yes and it comes back in oh i'm glad will be the bad it was so good Eva- yeah, I really liked how he hang, he hung onto cars because I used to do that with my bike. Yeah, so you uh, have to watch the second one because the second one has a hoverboard. Oh, I see. That's where the hoverboard comes from. I feel yes. Like I feel like I've seen the second one more, like seen parts of the second one more than I've seen parts of the first one. It, well, it came it came a lot into the news this year because when he goes back, he goes to the future. The future is 2015. You see. Oh, I see. Yeah, I that's saw, like my... a lot of the gifts and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it is this year, the year that Marshy McFly went to the future. And we don't have hoverboards. Of course. Well, we have, like, rolling things that are, like, that are now being banned by airports because they explode. (laughs) 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 Also, I liked the fact that the... I did like the fact that that Doc Brown was like, here, Einstein, you're going to be my test subject. I'm like, that's your dog! What are you doing? (laughs) But I did like when when Marty went back to the past... Before Doc Brown had like exploded his house, apparently, like he yeah, really nice house. He, uh, Einstein was a puppy. Yeah, it was so cute. I was like, that dog would be way older now. <laughs> like way no, older. No, no, Renee, it's be... not Einstein. It's a different dog. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Yes. Are you sure? Because I thought it was it was supposed to be the same dog. No, I think it's Einstein two, Einstein three. 
I, I'm pretty sure that he has several Einstein dogs. What happened when, to Einstein 1? Probably died because oh it's, my 30, God! it's 30 years, Renee. It's 30 years between 1955. Dogs can live a long time. Can they believe? Fi- fi- let's ask Google. I'm not. No, do not ask Google. <laughs> I don't do this to me, Anna. I don't want to think about dead dogs. Okay, why can't he just let me live in denial okay. about this dog? Okay. okay. He did time travel shenanigans, and that's how Einstein is still alive. So there. Okay. See, it works out. If you could have time traveling butterfly theories, I could have time traveling <laughs> dog theories. Okay, that's fine. Absolutely fine. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just close this Google window. I can't believe you were Googling that. I know, I know how long dogs live, Anna. Way to break my heart. Well, I don't. I was like, maybe it's possible and I am wrong. <laughs> I, no. I have literally no idea how many... Uh, I'm how just many? in denial. <laughs> so, I mean, my takeaway is that I'm probably not going to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> voluntarily okay. but now at Fair least, at least, at least now, you know. I know what it's about Yes, and I, I'm aware of it a lot of pop culture when I watch these things starts making a lot more sense to me as soon as I, like, I'm, I mentioned to Zach watching it he quoted like the 1.2 gigawatt yeah 1.21 gigawatts thank you for that uh, impersonation of, of no problem well welcome Thank you very pleasure. much. Pleasure. Uh, pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> a lot of things make a lot more sense. It's like when I watched Star Wars and these are not the drawers, you, drawers you're looking for. Became, yeah. like, suddenly I saw the light. I'm like, oh my god. Hello? Hello? Is anyone there? So the movie turned 30 this year and there were a lot of celebrations. And so they, they, they've been to talk shows and they were here at the convention that I went uh, that I didn't get to meet. Oh. Kelly Atwell. They were they were here. All the entire cast was here signing and doing photo shoots, etc. And there is a really interesting documentary on Netflix right now about Back to the Future. And I just forgot the name, but it's easy to find if you have Netflix. It's really interesting because it it talks about how the movie has inspired lives and how people just went and bought the Loreans. And they have museums. And there is this couple who quit everything, bought a DeLorean, and they just travel around the U.S. raising money for Michael J. Fox um, Foundation because he has Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a really... Uh, how it has affected the lives of people. And I really enjoy watching those because then it makes me feel not alone. So if you like Back to the Future... I highly recommend watching this documentary on Netflix. Like I do. I I just love I I can't tell you why exactly. I'm trying to figure out why I love this movie so much. I, it's just I just find it so much fun. And every time I go and watch it it's the same. It's the same fun. You also gave me I- and an you also gave me a comedy to watch, which was your second mistake after time <laughs> travel. I'm so bad. At, I'm so bad at comedy because it embarrasses me. Okay. Oh like, man, you didn't I, know, need to, I need to pick better movies for you. Then did you not know? Like the moment, like if the main character, the character you're supposed to be empathizing with, is like being embarrassed in some way, okay. I, I don't handle it well. It makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> so obviously, I get thrown out of the narrative. Oh, this okay. 
That's oh, just my body. That's just me being an anxious person because I empathize, over empathize, and then I'm just like, "Well, God, what if that happened to me?" And then, of course, I just have a meltdown. <laughs> I'm over empathizing, <laughs> Renee. It's a fake person on the screen right now. You're fine. Oh man. But yeah, so okay. I'm, so I guess we'll add Back to the Future two and three to our vault options yes. for next year, and we'll yes. see if I break your heart by loving like Back to the Future three or something, which is supposed to be like the worst one. I actually really like that one oh, because really? it has it has a, it has a major female character and she's really cool. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I need to check it out. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this was like a sneaky way for you to, for you to get me to watch the whole trilogy. Da da da! Did it work? Yes, did it, it did. Congratulations. Okay, fantastic. Ah, I'm kissing myself. So I'm very pleased that you didn't hate the movie. I didn't hate it, no. I love it. Uh, oh, didn't you find, like, really cool the way that how he dresses up as Darth Vader to scare uh, his father into asking his mom out? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was saying that, and I was like, oh, my God, that sounds so wrong. <laughs> Like I said, he if he only if only he hadn't cockblocked his parents, he wouldn't have been in this mess. That wouldn't be a movie then. That's true. <laughs> now that we have discussed my conflicted feelings about Back to the Future, we're going to move on to something happier. Recommendations. Anna, what have you got for us this week? I am going to recommend a TV show. It's something that people have been talking about for ages, and it's on it's season three already. It's an Australian TV show called Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. I had read the first novel that the show was based on years ago, and I really enjoyed it. But I never went on to read for the books, and it took me a while to get into the TV show. I watched the first episode ages ago, and I wasn't very much and then it's had to give it another shot and it was the best decision of my life i have been slowly watching it i'm on almost to the end of season two now it's on netflix the first two seasons and it's amazing it's murder mysteries it's set in the 20s the main character is miss fisher and she is a liberated very well off sexually liberated very smart woman she's a private detective and she has a group of close friends who are her found family, I guess. And they are all amazing. And I love all characters dearly. The mysteries are good. She is amazing. And there is this guy. The sexual tension between her and Jack is off the charts amazing. And I ship them so hard and they make moony eyes at each other. And I'm like, oh my God, please, would you just kiss already this is making me so sad but it hasn't happened yet spoilers so i'm waiting i'm waiting tender hooks for the moment they hook up but it might not happen because like i said she like just likes to have sex with multiple partners and i don't think he will like that but it's a in a way it's really cool because he's like you know i cannot change you I'm not really sure what we can do about this. And I don't want to change you because you are a really cool woman. So I don't know what's going to happen. My heart, it bleeds for this show. So <laughs> anyway, I went on and on and on as usual. I promise that I wouldn't spend more than five minutes on my recommendations. I think I broke my promise. Sorry. No, you didn't. You're fine. 
Okay, so what do you have for us? So I watched Jessica Jones, and I loved it a whole lot. So I've been like searching out fan work for it, and I found this really, really good fan video called Gasoline by Vampire Layer on Tumblr. And I had, I'm not familiar with the song, but it uses like scenes from season one, so it's definitely a spoilery vid. Do not watch it if you have not seen the whole show, or you like you don't care about spoilers, then you can watch it. Yeah. But the song choice, it's perfect for the show. It's perfect for her character. The cuts are super good. The way she uses the dialogue from the show is really good, and I highly recommend this this fan video. So I hope everybody's prepared for way more Jessica Jones Rex because I'm probably going to pile a bunch of all on you in 2016 because I'm so in love with the TV show. <laughs> so the, uh, the fan video, Gasoline by Vampire Lair. <sighs> yeah, we are done. Yeah, we're done. So thanks, guys, for listening. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Fangirl Happy Hour is Anna Grillo and me, Renee Williams. I am also our producer. You'll find links to some of our discussion topics in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. Please do not email us with how long dogs live. You can find us on Tumblr and Facebook at Fangirl Happy Hour. One long word, no spaces. You can chat with us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcast. You can also find us under our personal accounts at Booksmugglers and at Renee. Our annual survey is live on the very internet you got this podcast from. Check out the show notes of this episode to find a link to fill it out if surveys are your thing. Our music is by Boxcat Games. Our logo is by the very talented Era. You can commission them at justera.tumblr.com. For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode. <laughs>